Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara, and we're going to do a little bit of analytics of ethics today. And I'm, I'm interested in this conversation. There's a, not, not going to be a ton of football talk, uh, but I think we've got some, I've got a unique guest tonight to talk about some of the things that are going on in the world um, and some of the personal professional history that we share, I think is somewhat relevant to some stuff that's going on in the world. So we'll dive into that in a minute. I just want to plug a couple things for a second. Before we get into our conversation, I introduce my guest uh, over at the Patreon side. So patreon.com slash analytics dynasty, a podcast a day talking about player values, uh, talking about trade values, talking about player fundamentals on one player a day for the month of June. So for less than, you know, for 33 cents a podcast, you're getting the entire month of, of June. So um, 10 bucks, month of June, that gets you all the real draft position, all the podcast, uh, the rookie board, the dynasty tiers, all of it uh, over at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. And of course, if you're not in on the, uh, if you haven't gotten the book yet, analytics dynasty.com slash shop, I've got all my podcasts uploading over there as well. You can get the book 30 bucks if you want to use the promo code theory, it'll get you it for 25. So it was a recent uh, appearance that I did on Dynasty uh, Theory Show. So I have a promo code going for them. Go ahead and use that and, uh, and, and we'll get them some stats. So, all right. Now I want to dive into this, uh, this little bit of a bigger topic, not going to really be football related, um, but it's uh, a lot about what's going on in the world. And I have a guest on with me tonight, Mike Ramsey. If you've never heard of Mike on a fantasy football podcast, there's good reason for that. He's never been <laughs> on one. So, um, Mike, I'll, you know, I'll let you introduce yourself. Just broad brush here for a second. Mike and I, um, you know, I was a former prosecutor. Uh, at the time, I was assigned to prosecute um, protests, actually, uh, at the Air Force Base that's in our local community. And uh, Mike was the chief master sergeant at the time of the Air Force Base, which was the Air National Guard Base, uh, which is the highest ranking enlisted uh, position you can get in the Air Force. And he uh, was in charge of security forces. So um, him and I became really good friends, testified for me, I don't know, a lot <laughs> um, for hours and hours and hours. So this will be, there's no cross-examination here. So this is good. Thank um, God. Or no pro se cross examination, so even better. Um, uh, so, uh, and and so I was interested, and I was I reached out tonight to ask him, you know, and uh, some thoughts about some of the stuff that's going on. Um, and through that whole process, we became, uh, you know, we've become friends, and you know, our families are friends. And Mike was actually in my in my wedding, so um, I was, you know, I think it's an interesting, uh, he's an interesting guest for these times because I think he has some interesting perspective in terms of, uh, the, some of the protest stuff and some of the ethical stuff regards to, you know, some of the constitutional rights stuff going on. So Mike, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I, how did I do sort of a brief overview? No, it was awesome. Hit it. <laughs> All right. <Killing> so, it. <laughs> can you, uh, can you dive into your background to so you, uh, your, how long were you in the the military? Uh, Thirty four years. Okay, and so that the whole time would have been in the you were initially Air Force and then Air National Guard. Correct. Yeah, I did seven okay. years active duty Air Force, and the rest of it was in the Guard. Okay, and, and when did you retire? Uh, last August, August of twenty nineteen. Yep. All right, and um, and now I I was saying before the show we're in a little bit of a hair growing competition. Yeah. Um, I've been inspired to try and get my hair in a bow quite like you can get yours in a bow. <laughs> um, those of you watching on video, um, 
So can you take me through a little bit? I mean, ultimately, I sort of know how the story ends in terms of, you know, what you did at the end of your career. But sort of walk me through what you sort of did at the start of your career and sort of how it transitioned to being security forces. I started when I started, it was security police. So that was August of 1985. Um, I went, I started out at Minot Air Force Base, which is in North Dakota. Um, I worked in the nuclear uh, field. You have people that stay out there to guard different things. You respond to alarms, stuff like that. So I did that for a couple of years. Then I was transferred to what they called Glickum, which was ground launch cruise missiles. Um, over in Europe, we used to have specific bases that had these nuclear missiles there. And during alerts, they would go out into the community and not the community, but out into the countryside and stuff like that and dig in and uh, have the missiles ready to launch. So we called them alerts. Um, I did that for like a year. And then I ended up in Italy, San Vito, Italy. Um, that was my last active duty assignment for three years. And before I left active duty, um, I transferred directly into the guard at uh, Hancock Field, Syracuse. Okay. Um, um, and then you retired active duty and that had been in the guard or were in the guard basically yeah. for the rest of your career. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I did nine years as a traditional guardsman, which is your one weekend a month type deal, you know, uh, two weeks a year. But I did more time than that. And I ended up uh, coming back in full time in uh, 1999 um, and, and I did security forces. I was security forces up until 2015 when I transferred to force support squadron um, to be the chief of force support. And I did that until I retired in 2019. Gotcha. Um, what was your job when you were between full-time air force and full-time guard? What was your, what did you do for work during that, in that period in between? I worked for the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. Uh, I got hired on there in 1993. Uh, I worked in the jail bureau. Okay. Uh, that's so just, that's Rochester. Yeah. New York? At Ro okay. Monroe County. Yeah. Rochester. Yep. Okay. And I uh, left there to go full-time back in the guard. A position opened up and I applied for it and I got it. And, you know, in between as a traditional guardsman, I had uh, doing the one weekend a month thing. I had a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different training. You know, I went to the FBI SWAT school, um, different things like that, um, which was really cool. Uh, going back full time, I, I still had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things, which is why I left the sheriff's department to do that. Got it. Let me ask you this. In terms of throughout your, throughout your education, both as a police officer and then as a, uh, you know, in, in the military and and ultimately a military police officer what sort of education did you get on on constitutional rights and was it different between being a you know traditional civilian law enforcement and being military law enforcement yeah there's different things because for the military it comes down to jurisdiction um which is you know again it's constitutional stuff when you there's four different types of jurisdictions you can have at a base uh it's for the guard, it's a big, big, bigger deal than it is active duty, because um, active duty is all exclusive jurisdiction, which means they have complete control of everything inside the fence. Um, then you have concurrent, which you, by agreement, you share things with local law enforcement and stuff like that. And then you have proprietary, which you're running, you know, stuff like that. So uh, jurisdiction means a lot 
especially, and you know this, uh, bound, <laughs> the boundaries of you know where the base is and where easements, the base isn't. easements, yeah, easements, and right of ways, <laughs> and and appell versus the United States and all that stuff. But uh, right. so for active duty, it was it was easy. Um, so you know when I was the jail stuff was easy. Uh, I did the transport division uh, for a couple years, and we would fly around and pick up people that were on uh, warrants that had felony charges. So we would fly out to get them if they were held, if we wanted them held, if the county did or whatnot. Um, there were some different things with that. You had to fill out federal paperwork, obviously carry a weapon on a plane and all that fun stuff. Got it. But uh, yeah, it's the constitutional side. I mean, with a jail, you're dealing with specific stuff, New York state specific rules. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have to have X amount of meals a day. They have to have, you know, rec time, but rec time is defined by different things. So it's not, you know, you don't have to, go to a rec center you know there's all these different rules um constitutional wise though that the guard was probably the toughest with that because why do you, why do you say that in place. terms of it being the toughest there's just so many different variables like every base like hancock field for example is a federal base but it's kind of leased to a guard almost every other guard base is guard property you know so it's not it's it's just a hassle which we got into a little bit um you know, at the, towards the end, there was a lot of different questions coming down. Um, everybody had to verify their jurisdiction because some some of the stuff was reported wrong. You know, it was a mess. I'm talking like guard wide. Everybody had to report their jurisdiction. And some of it came from what we were doing. Um, <laughs> but it comes down to legally carrying weapons, because even though it's a guard base, we're following the federal rules for that. Um, you don't have to really follow state. But, you know, it, like state penal law covers covers the guard. New York State does. I don't know how the other states do it, but New York State, you're covered by New York State penal law. It talks about who's exempted from different things in Article 35, you know, use of force or who can carry a, a, a weapon or okay. uh, a dangerous instrument like a baton. And there to be exempted would be and in the New York Air National Guard, you know. The, Got it. So different things like that. But Got in the act, active duty, it's like it, you're taking a, let's say you're taking a nuclear weapon out into, you know, the field wherever that thing stops becomes federal property. So, you know, there's a lot of different things with that. And you have, to, you have to have it that way. Got it. When you, let me, let me take a step back for a second. It, what type of education did you have on or training? Did you have on following orders and when there was ethical concerns about following orders, you know, it's traditionally, you know, that it's, coined uh by some you know when it's when it's a bad order is somewhat the nuremberg defense right i was ordered to right. do it um so how did you did you receive training on that did you well let me start with that did you ever receive training on that or sort of how did you how did you go about learning about that yeah, there's multiple different kinds of that so uh, for the military uh, you know you have law of armed conflict which is you know your actual war stuff that's annual and right before deploy regardless when you have it um, use of force and where that fits in and you have your different stuff with the United uh, or the UCMJ um, Uniform Code of Military Justice at training and where that fits in. So you have that annually. Um, I, I was the training NCO at Hancock Field for 11 years. So I, I gave that training um, in multiple different settings. But for security forces, you had to have it every year. Other people had to have it at different time frames that weren't security forces, but yeah, 
So Got we did it. that annually. Uh, following orders, you know, it, there's a million different ways to phrase that in the military. <laughs> um, so, but you know, it's annual. You know, and uh -huh. what you what you deem an all an unlawful order, there has to be specific uh, criteria that fall in with that. What you know, what what are they? So you have to a reasonable person would know um, mm -hmm. that that's the way it's taught. So if, if someone is running away and uh, you get a lawful order to shoot that person. You know, you, what is the, you just can't do that. So military use of force is broke down. You have to have different criteria to use force, deadly force. Um, so somebody running away doesn't meet that until you have more knowledge of what it is. Um, you know, things like that, especially uh, you can get a lawful order. It has to deal with classified material. Um, you know, hey, if you find, which happens a lot, you, you have a disclosure of information and someone tells you, orders you not to report it, you know, um, things like that. So that's an unlawful order because every every disclosure of classified info has to be reported. Um, okay. Things like that. If it's someone that's not supposed to have it. Um, so, How did you, did you ever receive, without, you don't need to get into anything specific, but did you receive unlawful an unlawful order when you were in the military? Yes. How did you, uh, how do you sort of, that's coming from someone that outranks you correct right by like by definition right correct how do you sort of handle that again you don't need to get into the specifics of it if it's if it's uh, something you don't want to get into the specifics of but sort of how do you handle that and is it something that was like an immediate issue or a non-immediate so I'll, i can give issue? one example of an immediate issue um so when i first got to italy um you have to go through pre-training before you get there, which orientates you to the base and the security for us, you know, the security side of, you know, requirements. So you, when you get to your shift, you're already knowledgeable of local procedures. Um, so my first day on shift, the commander at that time used to always want to come out and meet the first person, you know, the new person, the newest person. So I happened to be out walking what we call a close, close boundary century in a restricted area it didn't have alarms on the fence, so you had to have a close boundary sentry. Um, so then this person came out, the commander came out, and I had to, you know, go through the normal stuff. You report your post, and he starts asking me questions, growing on questions, which is normal. That's normal stuff. And, you know, it wasn't my first base, so as we're walking around, you know, I'm, I'm holding my own. I'm doing all right. And uh, we get around to a, a access gate. It's, it's not the main access gate to the area. It's a... It's a side gate, and there's a there's fuel drums, and it's leaking. There's, so there's we're literally standing in a puddle of of fuel, um, of gas. And he looks at me and says, "Get on your radio and report that." So anybody that was in it at that time knows the radios that we had, and this is back in 1988. That you know you could have a chance of spark when you use them because you know they're old. It was a different time. Um, and knowing that, because having come from the nuclear, you know, nuclear field, there was rules, and I didn't know. I mean, I'm not going to test it to see if it really does do anything. But <laughs> there's like you don't, you don't do this in this situation. So I told him, sir, we need to step over there, and so I can do this when we're not standing here. And he got visibly upset and told me to radio and then immediately. And I said, sir, let's just go over here. And I just walked away, knowing I was going to get talk to later but what you know afterwards he realized what had happened and there was some other procedural stuff that broke down like the fire department that was responding to the 
fuel, didn't know the emergency codes to get in. Um, so we had to work with that. And then the end, I, you know, he said, Hey, he did a great job. And I'm getting a letter of appreciation, wow, whatever. But uh, that was an example. But yeah, I mean, he was hot and he wasn't just talking to me like this. He was swearing at me. Right. But, you know, it's either that or we become the human torch. So right. you just have yeah. to do it at that point, right? Isn't it just a, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost, it's, you weren't per se. I mean, he probably saw it as a direct violation of an order, but you weren't, you were executing his order, just not in the physical location of where it was supposed to be. Yeah, no, that, his, exact, his exact, his exact order was radio this in now when we're standing in, you know, this puddle of gas. Yeah. So I mean, later on, he apologized and, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm glad you kept your head, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it is what it is, but that, that's one of the, that's, one of the direct order that I can discuss. Got it. So let me, I'm the reason I had you on this week is because, you know, I, I was texting with you today and from this week in these protests and, you know, this spe specifically the stuff in Lafayette park outside the white house. And I mean, that's shocked the conscious when I watched some of that video, yeah. um, but it hit, it hit home a little bit in terms of uh, some of the stuff that you and I have done together. And like I said, at the yeah. jump, you know, I, I prosecuted these protesters by and large, they were peaceful. Um, you know, we didn't have, at least in any of the cases that I prosecuted and I probably prosecuted, mm -hmm. I don't know, between, <laughs> uh, I, geez, maybe a hundred of them in terms of people altogether. Uh, over, oh, easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it might've even been more than that, honestly. Um, yeah, I would, yeah. but the, um, uh, but like by and large, they weren't violent. Um, I, I, you know, no one was charged with anything that was violent. Um, largely not following orders. Um, right. you know, and I think they were, we charged them with intentionally trying to block traffic and in some cases intentionally, being on property that wasn't hers, right? I mean, those were right. what we charged them with. So it was a crime what they were doing, but but it was in the nonviolent realm. Mm. But it did touch a lot upon a lot of constitutional issues, and they always raise constitutional issues. Mm. Um, and I sort of was thinking about that tonight uh, when I texted you, and I you know I I watched this Lafayette park thing and and listen there's been violence right that like no matter and this is not to get we're not trying to get political here and you know you and i sort of were we were joking i was joking when we were texting i was like we've never even talked politics like i've known you for for how long and like i don't i don't know how you know like it, it's something that has never mattered to me um and so it, that's not really the the point and i think i think that largely um you know, in the protest cases out at the base, I think you and I, from a from an issue standpoint, both disagreed with what their point was. Um, you know that they were against the use of you know drones, what they called drones. It's remotely piloted aircraft. Mm. Uh, I think you and I were both on the you know we disagreed with them on the issue, um, and you know where we thought that there was there was. Um, yeah, at least I did that there was, you know, you, it was your job to protect them. So, um, we're, we're, um, you know, that it was, a uh, we were against them on their issue. 
you know, in this, I think there's a, there's a different, you know, maybe there's differences. I don't think it really much matters in terms of the constitutionality of it, right? If you, and, and you can probably speak to this, there was a difference between them protesting illegally and them protesting legally, right? In terms of what, what yeah. you guys dealt with out there and sort of how you handled it. Right. And you know, on, and you and I have talked about this for, hmm. you know, many, many times, but it's more of, yeah, you have, you have a right to say, you know, you have a right to protest, but you don't have a right to infringe on free movement, you know, those things. And that, and when you talk about, you know, freedom of speech, the amendment and everything else with that, and it, you know, there's discussion with that. We weren't denying them the ability to protest. The only time we stepped in um, was when they blocked the gate, uh, you know, blocked traffic. However, they want to word it on their end. They blocked traffic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, so... I understood why they were doing what they're doing. That was their right to do what they're doing, you know? Um, but on my end, it was more to make sure that regardless of what they did, that we acted professionally on our end to wrap everything up in a neat little bow. And there um, were times where you, where you gave them part of your property to, to right. Yeah. Demonstrate, we, right. I mean, right. And we, you know, it, we gave them what we call the free speech area and things like that, which, you know, it, on their end, they're like, well, free speech is everywhere. You can't define it to an area, but on a military, you know, jurisdictional wise, you can. And, you know, th there's so many different things that talk about that, especially with what an installation commander um, can invite somebody on to protest on property and then take it away when they deem necessary and it's that's written into many different area statutes that talks about that and they came out with the Powell versus the united states mm -hmm. um, a big big constitutional well that was out west someplace right it was california uh, it was yeah. california Thanks. yeah um there was a um yeah so i, I think it, but i think it's interesting that we got a i, I think they thought of of you know ultimately they they kind of wore themselves out in terms of wore out their welcome in terms of protected spaces. And ultimately I think they, they protested across the street on like a weekly basis, essentially it, on this. Every other week, I think they still do it. I've lost, you know, touch with that since I moved on, right. but uh, you know, they, they, I think they exhausted everything they could. Um, the orders of protection, I think in the end worked to the extent that they, that it was used for. Mm -hmm. Um Again, you know, the last couple times that when I left security forces, the last couple times when they wanted to protest, uh, we were in different different FPCon status, force protection conditions, that made it to where we said no. I wasn't me. It was the uh, you know after I had moved on, but because we were in higher threatened state, not due to them, but due to other things, um, you know, it's like no, we don't want you to protest, and then they didn't show up. So, I mean, that was, I don't even remember. That was always the question. Like, if we say no, are they going to show up anyways? Right, you right. Know? But, right. But again, on our end, it was to keep it professional, keep it in check, and just do our jobs and, and you know, keep everything at the utmost professional level from our end. Like, right. they can say something to us. We're not going to say anything. But we're not going to give them any. Because, you know, they videotape and do different things and they do different stuff. So, which a lot of times was on YouTube and very helpful to our case. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was <laughs> they were very great. They were very gracious in that in that aspect. Let me yeah. ask you this. So let's change it 
you know, let's go a little bit to this week and and what the prompt was for me to have you on here was you see this down in Washington mm-hmm. and you know, you're three decades worth of military service, right? Your your experience with speech issues, you know, as this isn't this isn't this isn't something new to you. How do you sort of react to what happened specifically down in Lafayette Park outside the White House? It, you know, to me, it looked like a crap show. Um, just seeing how it was taken. And it comes down to, did they have a, you know, I got other questions flashing in my mind. Like, did they have permits? Did they not have permits? Was it a lot, you know, were they supposed to be there? Were they not? You know, there's all these other things. But to go to that extent, and for the reasons that to me was to move a motorcade, you know, it, to me, that was just not, it wasn't, it, it was way out of bounds. And you, DC is a jurisdictional mess because you're looking at the District of Columbia and what it is, and the Capitol has its own jurisdiction. You got parks, police, you have, you know, there's probably, you can walk across a sidewalk and go through three different jurisdictions there, right. you know? So, right. it, but, you know, when you're looking at federal police and you got parks, police, who federalize, you got all these different things going on. It, it, I'm just like, what, what was that and why was it? You know, to me, it would, it would look, it, it looked out of bounds to me. Yeah. The, you know what the, the, I mean, I've walked through that park. Right? Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I lived here. there for a summer and I, I've walked through that park. Right. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, there's a statue of Lafayette down there, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice, it's a nice yeah. park. And, and it is a, it is a free speech haven. Honestly, I was just I mean, going to say that. Yeah. I mean, there's always someone down there protesting something. I remember yeah. when, when I was, when I was down there would have been 2011, I think it was. Yeah. Summer of 2011. And there was a person every night that mm-hmm. I believe it was the Syrian flag. It was either the Syrian. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the Syrian flag or the, I'm almost certain it was the Syrian flag, but he, and this was, this was an Obama term, uh, Obama administration time, but would stand there every night and like a silent, peaceful protest mm-hmm. every night, every single night would stand there with the flag and no one would bother him. And he would stand, you know, they could see him from out inside, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there was people milling around and different people doing different things. So this isn't like they're on the front lawn of the white house, right? This is a place yeah. where it, this is a, a known free speech. I mean, not, not that one of these things really exists, but it's a free speech zone. It's a open public park. That's where you can constitutionally speak Gather. or yeah. demonstrate or, or, you know, assemble or whatever first amendment keyword you want to sort of, you know, mm-hmm. give to it. You could. And, and what troubled me was that, right. Plus, I guess there's three things. There wasn't anything violent that was going on, right? They didn't, I mean, there was, and I think you and I talked about this before we jumped on, there was an Australian newscast going on live, two of them, (laughs) at least that I've seen that were down there, you know, women reporters from Australia and their, their camera, I think they were both men, but, um, you know, one of them ended up essentially trampled at one point. And, um, but they, captured the whole thing live right i mean it wasn't and there was no one there wasn't yeah. violence and and um but i'm interested sort of the use of force aspect of it sort of i mean the initial clearing of the thing that's a that's a a step that i thought was too far given yeah. that it was 
pre, you know, it was pre. Um, well, it uh, looks like they didn't give him a chance. Just right. coming, and coming from how we did it was, you know, give him a warning. He did the three warning thing over a period of, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Right. You know, number one, you do it that long because you want to videotape the refusal. But, you know, videotaping. But the other side, like, it didn't, it just looked like, and maybe it's because of where the video cut in, but it looked like to me, it was like, hey, move, boom. Then everything just kicked yeah. off. And it's, it's out of, it just looked so out of bounds to me. It looked like a foul the whole way around it. And honestly, you know, who gave the order, you know, it, where did it come? What was the authority that it came under? You know, and I try and put myself in a position there. I'm a guy on the line there. You know, who gave the order? Because you know, when the order comes on, you're already you're just gonna jump. Where did it come right. from? You know, and right. afterwards, those are the questions that end up you end up asking yourself at two o'clock in the morning. Where you know what I mean? Where where did the order come from? And what was it? You know, what yeah. why was it? Not what, but why? Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's it's. I just. I don't know. It just it looked like a foul to me. Yeah, I believe you know. Just, and then to say, yeah, there's tear gas use. There's not tear gas use. And holy crap, man! If, you know what else was in that canister? You yeah, know, you, you thought stuff? it was tear gas, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I thought they, said they, they said they use a chemical irritant. Well, tear gas is classified in munitions log as a chemical irritant. <laughs> so, what you know? Where yeah. are we going? If you use it, just say you used it. Right. That's my thing, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, rubber bullets and everything else—that's another thing. But you know, to pick on no, that we didn't use tear gas. Then when was it? Yeah. You know, it nobody else said it. People certainly reacted like it was tear gas. I mean. Yeah, that, that's what made it interesting when the Secretary of Defense, when SecDef got on and he did his own press conference from the Pentagon. And he specifically mentioned different parts. And one of the things is talked about, you know, military personnel weren't involved, didn't use tear gas. He specifically mentioned that. And everybody's like, well, tear gas. No, he said military personnel didn't use it. Right. You know, so he didn't, you know, which I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet. <laughs> some of the things that he said. Yeah, I was shocked because he was standing on the podium and he looks at his phone and like, I got to go to the White House. And I'm like, he's getting fired. Yeah. But yeah. he, you know he didn't because you know he he brought up the use of active duty troops in D.C. and said I, I I do not concur with that. Yeah. So what do you think about what do you think about that? Nah, it shouldn't be used. I mean, honestly, that's the National Guard. It's a National Guard mission. Um, What's the difference? Not, I mean, well, because in National Guard you come under governor. Uh, the governor, like Cuomo for New York State, he is basically our commander in chief. So it comes into different constitutional stuff when you talk about title, status and title. So Title 32 is guard. Title 10 is active duty or federal. Okay. Title 32, you fall into the governor, so your state until the federal people, you know, federal wants to take you to, you know, mobilize you for Afghanistan or different okay. things. And you know, when you're looking at that bringing title 10 in and then, you know, from other discussions, I say, you know, but from other discussions, I, I get the feeling that they want to use the insurrection act mm -hmm. to bring in the title. Cause that's honestly the only other time, unless the governor says, Hey, I got a national, you know, emergency, you know, there's other things like when I went, when I deployed for hurricane Katrina, um, there towards the end, there was title 10 people, uh, in, in down in new Orleans with us. You know, initially it was all guard that I saw. There could have been some Title Ten people, but 
I saw all guard. It was like a big reunion down there. Um, but later on in the end, saw a lot of Title Ten, and that's they can do that if because it's you know they, they declare a state of emergency. Okay. So it wasn't, but it wasn't states. law enforcement. It was. Well, it was, it was right? well, I mean, the, the title 10 I saw were security forces. Oh, okay. Um, there could have been, I mean, I know there was airlift going on and different things like that, but I saw title 10 security forces down there. Got it. Okay. Um, but in the beginning it was all title 32 security forces. We actually had to be deputized in that state to use it. That was the agreement that the governor of uh, Louisiana came up with the governor of New York. That's where we, we could carry weapons down there. It wasn't just New York. There's like five other states. In the beginning, got it. Got it. So, but um, yeah, yeah, interesting. So, so let's sort of go back. So, do you? Let's assume that you, you know, these the the military personnel that were down there the other night, they get this order, and I mean, you can probably talk to this maybe a little bit better than I can. But there's probably some fog of war stuff going on in terms of you know, rumors or, you know, what, oh, yeah. what exactly, I mean, like who, I mean, in, in real time, who the hell knows what's going on about what is, is what I found in chaotic situations and, mm. you know, and dealing with police and stuff like that. I mean, ever you know, no one really knows the full story until you come back and think about it afterwards, mm. but sort of how do you, I guess you're given an order in that, in that, and you might not necessarily know, right? I think you're you're probably default is to think that it's legal, right? Would that be would that be a fair characterization of it? Well, yeah. I mean, talking so for specifically talking about the park, Lafayette Park. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, I didn't see any military in that. Mainly, all I saw was federal cops. Okay. Um, that well, I mean, we don't know they were federal. I mean, that that's what we were told later on that it was you know parks police and this that and the other. Um. So. It, it's different for me when you talk on the civilian side when you're about orders and on the military side mm -hmm. when there's orders that come down you know and civilian side you know someone tells you to do something you don't do it you get you know written up under whatever departmental you know guidelines right. maybe you have a union you know you get your union guy involved um on the military side it's a different deal um and also i think when, when you're pulling in people from multiple jurisdictions on the civilian side, it, it, to me, it creates uh, communication problems, you know, lines of communication problems, who's talking to who, you know, somebody could be in charge of this side of the line that's not from your department or it could be from your department you've never even seen before. You're like, you know, federal parks is big, you know, right. when you're talking transit, you know, you've got transit people in there, it's big, you got all these different, you know, different agencies that come in there, so you don't know who's who, right? especially when you're wearing all the gunk, you know, you got right. all your gear on which hinders communication on the other side of it. But to me, you know, it's just a, it's a perfect storm for mass confusion. And, you know, once you get your formations and you start moving to me, that's almost automatic because you practice it. Hopefully they did, but I mean, it looked like they did. Right. Um, but I, as far as where the order came from or whatnot, that to me, that, that whole setup just was a perfect storm for mass confusion. That's, that's just the way I look at it. Got it. Um, Let me ask you this. What's your reaction to, so former chairman of the joint chiefs came out. Uh, um, Mike Mullen came out. Um, yeah, former general, former or retired general, former um, uh, defense secretary, Jim Mattis came out and both were 
uncharacteristically direct, blunt, and vocal about a lot of the stuff that's going on mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, you know it, the president, some executive branch stuff that's happening. I'm sort of interested what you. I guess I'm interested in, in, from the retired perspective, what you think about their, them coming out and being vocal about it now. I, I think it's at such the way, and I'm speaking for them, but we're in such dire straits right now with lack of leadership that I think that they felt like they had to say something. Um, and I, I'm for it. I'm glad they did. Um, I'm, you know, I'm. There should be some other people coming up to speak out. You know, the only part I didn't like was on. Uh, I was watching CNN when they were breaking down Mattis's comments, and uh, they were talking about, oh, he should have done this when you know he was Secretary of Defense. Well, you really can't say a lot of that stuff when you're. If people forget, you know, he's working directly for the Commander in Chief. Right. So uh, sometimes, you know, you got to dance with the devil in order to do good. You have to, on the other hand you know, deal with that crap. Um, and Mattis did a lot of good for the military when he was sucked up. Right. Um, so did Mullen. Mullen was a, was a good joint chief. He was the chairman of joint chief staff. He was, he was good. You know, they did a lot of good things. Um, but remember Mattis stepped down when Trump and, uh, and him had a chain or a difference of opinion about Syria. Right. Um, you know, pulling out on partners that had taken, you know, We've lost some people in that. You know, they shed some blood and sweat to get those partnerships done, and all of a sudden, we're not there. Right? Um, how quaint! That seems like it was three decades ago. Yeah, it how, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. that was a big deal, and it seems like it was. I can't yeah, tell you I, how long I, ago that was. I was twenty six like then. You know, right. but, <laughs> I had a lot <laughs> less hair. Um. But you know, it, and I mean, people forget. Mattis did. You know, he stuck right. to his principles on that, and he stepped down. Right. You know, and you know. They can say they fired him or whatnot, but you know we all, you know people. He's you can read his letter of resignation on it, <laughs> right? You know he posted it, so yeah. No, I'm interested. I mean, I not in anything regarding this, but I have been in a situation where I resigned because I had ethical mm-hmm. concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for it's interesting for me. Um, you know, in the I. I I had ethical concerns with with some things that were going on. I voiced them. Mm-hmm. It was pretty clear that that was the wrong thing to do. Well, it was pretty clear from the chain of commands perspective that it was the r- wrong thing to do. Um, I'd do it in a heartbeat again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, five more people have resigned after me. So I mean, I think I think that that is all fine. You know, I think my record on it's pretty good and I'd stand by it, but I'm interested sort of what you, from a military perspective and, and the maddest thing resigning after the Syria issue, uh, you know, the Syria dispute, I guess, is yeah. what we'll say, the, the disagreement over Syria. I'm interested sort of uh, if you saw that in the military, if you oh, sort yeah. of, it, was that common? I wouldn't say it's common. Well, yeah, I mean, it happens, and, and you never know what the situation or what the topic's going to be that's going to cause it. So mm-hmm. when, you know, in the end, and, and my wife's gone through, she, she's a chief master sergeant also, uh, who's re- this is her last week, this week, you know, she retires. Congratulations, um, Chief Melinda. 
<laughs> uh, we've both been in those. And in the end, you, you know, so every branch of the military has something to guide you. So you have your Air Force has core values. And there's three core values, you know, integrity, service for self and excellence and all you do. So you're supposed to apply those to everything that, you know, that you do. Obviously, you can't do it with every, you, you can't meet that all the time, but you're supposed to strive to meet that. The Army has their own thing. The Marines have their own thing. Navy has theirs. I don't know what the Coast Guard has. But, um, and our end, you know, for me and her, it was more of, you know, I'm going to go to the wall for this. And what happens, happens. it cost me a promotion uh, mm -hmm. some years ago um, one time. But, you know, I always talk about, hey, I can go home and sleep at night because I know, you know, I did this. I did the right, I, I did the right thing. So right. I'm not going to lose sleep over not doing, you know, the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to find out what the right thing is, you know, when you're yeah. faced with it, you don't know what it is sometimes, but right. in the end, you got to have, you know, morally, ethically, you know, if, if you're not brought up with morals or ethics, it, nobody can teach you those. Nobody can give you those, you know? So that's where a lot of, I think a lot of things come in uh, to play with, you know, different situations and, you know, People want to lie about different things, you know. Hey, we didn't do this, and shit, the whole world saw you do it, man. Right. Um, you know that type of thing. So, but yeah, it's in the military. It happens. You see people that, you know, leave their careers at a, at a rank lower than what it should be because you know they stuck to their guns and did the right thing, and you know they don't they don't have regrets on it. Um, some people sabotage their own stuff, but you know, to me, it was like, yeah, I'm. This is the way it's going to be. You know, if I got to stick up for something that's wrong, like I said, it, there's a situation that cost me a promotion. You mm -hmm. know, um, somebody got promoted ahead of me because, and I was told that to my face. It wasn't me. I'm not, you know, just guessing. I was told. Right. right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. How do you, so it's a common and I think it's speculated a lot in the news, but I think it's interesting, you know, where, where there's some thought that maybe Esper is on his way out, you know, defense secretary. Now um, I'm interested how people that leave like Mattis are viewed from the inside. You know, how do you view a person like Mattis? Is it, is it, I mean, so much of what, and it's kind of unfortunate, so much of what, we are in society is whether you agree with the issue or not, right? Whether you, you know, if you agree with the president, you know, and he says one thing, you're going to agree with it. If, if, you know, Obama said the same thing and you, you know, don't like him, you're going to disagree with it. Right. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's so common in terms of just in terms of, uh, you know, and vice versa. Um, is it, is it that, is it, you know, do you sort of, is it, is it come back to, you know, what your relationship with was with this person? I mean, how, how does that sort of, how do people react when that happens in the military? Maybe Mattis is a good example. So when Mattis got removed, there was a lot of, a lot of people that I saw and myself included and would, were disappointed with, the, you know, that he, he didn't get removed. He resigned. It was disappointed that it came down to that, that he had to do it, but there was respect that, you know, he's like, I'm not playing the game anymore. You know, mm -hmm. this is something that I, I cannot deal with, you know, so he stepped down. Um, it's just funny watching because he was, you know, hugely popular military community, you know, mm -hmm. it, but it's funny seeing how people are, you know, jumping on him now for speaking out when he was known for that abruptness and, you know, that straightforwardness throughout his entire career. You know, and, and he was idolized for that. And, he, you know, 
there was the maddest knife hand stuff and you know the the mad dog <laughs> moniker that he didn't really like you know he said he didn't really like it but you know it, it suits your you know personality so ride it you know but right right you know that he, he was known for that now all of a sudden because you know he's speaking out it's like you know there, there's an unwritten rule with retired generals that they're not supposed to weigh in on one side or the other political stuff they're just supposed to shut up and and press but you've you know throughout you know the ages they've done it anyways when they feel like they need to and again i think it's at the point where these guys you know there's a void of leadership and they think they have to step in to help america kind of get past where we're at now and heal you know by by voicing their yeah. opinion on current leadership or lack thereof right i mean uh, would you would you say so you respect you ultimately respect what mullen and and mattis did oh, would yeah. you would you say you're in the minority in terms of military community on that i think i i i think time's gonna tell on that i mean again i i see on different you know different groups you know one side saying this it's almost like it's split 50 50 right now interesting but i think time's gonna tell you know because a lot of people that respect that type of leadership aren't vocal about that respect. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah that makes total you know, sense. In the military, you're supposed to, you know, shut up and do, you know, yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of people do that, you know, so, but, you know, he said what he said and, you know, Hey, I support that, but you won't see them on the blogs talking right. about it. You know, it's more of so, a silent respect type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you, um, what do you have in terms of, if you saw, let me ask you this, if you saw, if you, you know, the Insurrection Act and, and all this stuff and the president wanted to, um, you know, activate what is it national you know the military or national guard for law for strictly law enforcement purposes which is a historic no well um generally speaking um and you sort of disagreed with that how would you sort of handle and it's obviously it's a hypothetical now but how do you sort of is that a situation you'd find yourself if you disagreed with it considering resigning um as a as a person in leadership or is that uh, how would you sort of handle that situation so for active duty it's going to be different you know if <laughs> if they get sent and again the posse comitatus act is what prohibits the use of active military in law enforcement situations except for the insurrection act and then there's the other part of you know uh, like the state of emergency or something like that with the yeah. governor or something. And even then, like we talked about before, like you were saying, I don't, I don't think they can go in and do police duties on that end, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm reaching on that one, mm -hmm. but to invoke the insurrection act, if you know, I, I wish we could pull it up right here and go over it point by point. Cause the insurrection act, they had specific elements that have to be met. And off the top of my head, I can't remember them because at mm -hmm. first it's when they started talking about that. I Googled it on my phone. Like what? What's a criteria for the insurrection act? You know, and and looking that way, you know, to me, it, you know, is anybody right now trying to overthrow the government? That's the way I look at and view what the insurrection act is built for. Now, there's probably other elements to it, but that's the only thing that comes to my mind right now. 
Um, right. No, they're, they're, they're out there protesting. Nobody's trying to do a coup, you know, under the definition. Right. And again, when you, you know, you being a lawyer, you know, everything comes down to what's the definition of a coup? What's the definition of the Insurrection Act? What's the criteria to invoke the Insurrection Act? You know, and that, that to me is all the things that are coming, going to come down. I mean, I, according to the papers, uh, you know, not just like the stupid extreme left or extreme right papers, but, you know, the, they already have active duty troops staged around DC, um, somewhere from Fort Drum. You know, that was in the, in the post standard today. So, you know, so they're already there. I mean, the point of not going is kind of done. I mean, I, I saw some other stuff on, you know, questionable news media that talks about, you know, active duty troops are saying they're not going to go, they're not going to do it. Um, which honestly, we'll probably never know if that does happen because they'll just be replaced, you know, down, the, you know, with people that do want to go, but who right. knows? But or, I, is I that stop. a situation where you see Esper resign? I think, yes. Like, you think that would be a situation, what you would see? Because yeah. after what he said in his briefing, I think, yes, if he makes it that far, you know, he was, you know, he <laughs> went directly against Trump on two different things. So let's see, it's 10 09 on Thursday. So yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, pick time squares. Let's, let's do squares. <laughs> Right, right. No, I'm just surprised he's still there, you know, and I think a lot of it has to come. Do they have faith in his second? I don't know. Is that playing into it? Because, you know, I'm surprised he's still there. Right. But I I think he would step down. I mean, I think that's why he I think that's why he publicly said that, you know, he does not concur with that use. And like I said, you look at the insurrection, to me, it doesn't mean it. The insurrection, it is somebody trying to overthrow the government? No, right? Yeah, no and I'm just, I'm just breaking it down. Right, you know, no one's it, trying to. Yeah, and that's that's basically. I'm just looking over it quickly. You know, when the president considers unlawful obstructions, combinations, or assemblages, or rebellion against the authority of the United States, make it impractical to enforce the laws of the United States or any state. In the ordinary course of judicial proceedings, he may call into federal service such of the militia of any state and such of the armed forces as he considers necessary to enforce those laws or suppress the rebellion. And honestly, like if just a a blanket cursory reading of it, if people get arrested, they're still going to courts, right? I mean, the federal courts are just fine, right? I mean, there's no, you know, there's people been arrested in my county this week that are still going to court, right? Right, right. (laughs) Those things are working just fine. So it doesn't seem like it would qualify. So I'd be interested. You think, so if you think there's like a dispute, you would watch for Esper or whoever his um, line of succession might be and almost in a Saturday night massacre type of, you know, going back to Watergate where you see where you saw the attorney general and the deputy right. attorney general sort of bumped out. And then it was someone else. Yeah. It was ultimately in that case was Robert Bork, the solicitor general who did it. But, um, you know, that would be something that you think you would, if that stuff was going on and the military was sort of opposed to it, that would be a place to watch. Yeah, I think it definitely would come down to second. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, you know, the Joint Chiefs are in there somewhere along the line, but really it, when it comes to this stuff, they're not, they're not technically in the chain of command when it flows, you know, it'll go sucked out to do his duty, you know, but I mean, what you just read, you read that was part of the insurrection act. Was that of the definition of it? Was that what Trump legal team said it was? 
No, that's uh, that's ten USC two fifty two. Okay. So. So what's I mean, if you, take, if you break that down point by point, do you see the protests that are going on right now causing? No. Yeah. So I mean, that's to me is apply. You know, as we look at this, apply it to each part and what is are these protests doing that are they breaking curfew yeah so was that a local ordinance as a state law you know there's still right. there's there's still law enforcement going on you know so right i, feel yeah, bad I don't think bad. it's they're working it yeah and honestly the the i mean we could probably debate this but you know, whenever the president considers, and it's one of them, is the unlawful assemblages. I mean, the stuff that happened in, in Lafayette Park, like we talked about earlier, was not yeah. an unlawful assemblage. I mean, that's, or a rebellion. Yeah. I mean, that's that is firmly free speech. So, because honestly, if they um, came down and they said, "You guys need to leave," this is your warning. But nobody talked about that. They didn't put out it this time. We went in and said, "Blah." You know, right. I, at least I didn't see any place where they broke that down. No, you know, and no. that's like even the even the protests in a city. You know, right. you, have, you got a thousand people protesting. You can't arrest a thousand people. So right. what's the right what's the right thing to do? All right, Apparently, right rubber there. bullets and tear gas. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot journalists, I guess is that's yeah, what we're yeah. going with. But journalists. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, for a for ultimately a photo op, right? I mean, it was mm -hmm. the that was, the, that was the, I mean. That, and it's not even a political thing. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's ultimately disappointing. Um, well, I think that'll pretty much, um, you know, that'll pretty much do it for this. We don't do this very often in terms of non-football related podcasts, but this will, this will be one. I think it's important for what's going on. Um, yeah. and I thought I had a uniquely qualified situation and guest. Uh, oh, you're reaching <laughs> To come on here and on short notice he came in and i was upstairs and i said to my i said to my wife i said yeah i'm going downstairs and i'm recording with mike and she goes which is like what uh, funny it's one of the few times i actually called you mike uh, yeah. i was called you chief um because <laughs> that's when i called you on the witness stand the dozens of times that you testified yeah. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for your service. And um, I, you. I, I'm digging the beard and I'm digging the hair. So I'm disappointed you put the hat on, but you know, we're sort of rocking this hair well, thing. If we do and it I'm again, I'll, I'll have it to, keep it to keep it, you know, to keep mine going. I sort of, I got to get it more high and tight and long on top. That's what Dude, I'm I've about. never seen your hair like that. It's awesome. It's gonna get it's gonna get better. I mean, I'm in I'm I'm working from home, man. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a wild scene by the time this whole uh this whole <laughs> you know what bad things coming through we got a pandemic we've got anarchy and we're gonna have probably have martial law <laughs> oh lord oh you know that was the other thing that's when they can if they declare martial law that's the third one yeah yeah mm, which, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that you know of course you know the president was just downstairs you know checking out the as he <laughs> routinely i'm sure does checking out the security of the underground What's that button do? Oh crap! Don't put murder hornets everywhere. That's that's the that's the shoot protesters button. Okay, <laughs> it probably was. Yeah. Uh, All right, Chief. Thank All right, you man. for coming 
coming on. I appreciate your uh, appreciate you coming on again. This is the analytics of Dynasty, talking a little bit about some protest ethics. Uh, I'm your host Jordan McNamara. You can follow the podcast. It'll be back to a regularly scheduled and topicked podcast uh, forthcoming. Again, follow all the audio content. I've got the daily football podcast uh, going. The daily value uh, podcast going on at Patreon.com/slash/Analytics Dynasty. The the group me. Um, I've got strategy sessions over there. If you want to get a strategy session, get in on the concierge level. Um, we can do, we can get together for a half hour and talk team building. So one on one, if you got a draft coming up with those sorts of things. So um, until next time, continue embracing the variance, and we will talk again soon. Thanks, brother.